0: Already had the show ready to go. Getting ready to edit it after calling a baseball game today. Then realized game three, the Chicago Bulls Milwaukee Bucks series was on tonight. Had to watch it, right? You gotta watch the Bulls. It's a playoffs. See what they can do. No Chris Middleton for the Bucks. So there was some kind of like, mm, you know, maybe they got a chance here. Man, man, man. 111 to 81, the Bucks thumped the Bulls legitimately thumped them. Vucevic had 19, was 8 of 17 from the field, 3 of 9 from 3, 6 boards, which was kind of okay, kind of pedestrian. Zach Levine, 15. DeMar DeRozan, who went off for 41 points in Game 2, had 11. 4 of 9 shooting. The Bucks made some defensive changes. They adapted and just shut down the Bulls. From the get-go, the Bulls never stood a chance. They were down by 24, I believe. They cut it down to 16, and it was 16 to 20, and then all of a sudden it was 28, and then 30. It was just, man, they couldn't do anything. Not a great sign after thinking, hey, their second best player is not playing. You know, don't want that to happen, especially because of injury. Be like, hey, man, have a chance. We can get this game, especially in Chicago. They got whooped. So, had to throw that on in the beginning here just because we talk about game two in the other intro, the real before intro, the real, real intro. However, we want to say this, but now we got this intro talking about this loss tonight, April 22nd. We got the intro recorded earlier, still April 22nd, but before the game, and then our interview with 12 gauge. So a loaded show. Enjoy until next time. Peace. Man, what a couple of weeks. And it seems like this happens to everybody all the time. Just a lot of things going on. Had family in the hospital. I'd already mentioned this last time, but I fell down my steps, bumped my head, had a concussion. Had something come up from that concussion. Thought it was another concussion. Thankfully, I'm okay. I'm still able to talk, still able to do the things that I love to do, which means write, announce things for people, do a podcast aka host Edge of URC podcast. It has been a lot of downtime nursing myself, nursing people I love, so things have been shuffled around. We didn't get to have a 420 show. Not that I know if I would. Is that a holiday now? According to my Facebook and Twitter it was, well, that's for sure. I don't engage, I don't partake. Don't know if it should be legal, but who am I to say? I'm not a politician. But it's definitely prevalent in our culture. No doubt about that. Well, this show was already halfway done before all these things were happening. So let's finish it up, polish it up. And it's kind of crazy because I wrote for my little script that I kind of try to follow. Don't write down every single word I say, but give me a, a blueprint, something to go off of while I'm doing this. And I was talking about how crazy it is, how life works and changes and things like that because WrestleMania was April 2nd. And when I was a kid, I was all about wrestling or wrestling. That was my thing. Grew up watching it. The Hulk Hogan's, the Ultimate Warriors, the Ric Flair's. I could continue to name and name and name and name and name. Watched it from when I was a kid. So we'll say late 80s. I was born in 85. By 89, 90, I was definitely paying attention to Hulk Hogan. Definitely had a t-shirt. Had definitely been to two or three wrestling events. In Rockford. Then I got in trouble. My mom's like, hey, you keep trying to wrestle your sisters. You can't do this no more. No more wrestling. So I, I was grounded or suspended from wrestling for actually a couple years. And then the Attitude Era in the late 1990s came. And wham! Of course, everybody that was 13, 14, 15, in their 20s or 30s was watching it then. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, WCW War. Sting, Diamond Dallas Page, Goldberg, the NWO. We know them all. But that was my childhood. Then I stopped because I was in sports and, you know, girls and all that kind of stuff. Trying to figure out what I was doing career wise, even though I knew what I wanted to do, just had to put in the work. Go to college, all that stuff happens. But then afterwards, and you're working, and then you're sitting at home, and you're like, hey, I go out to a bar or I watch something on TV or do something productive. You know? Productive doesn't always win out, and because of money, and because you don't need to drink all the time, you know, watching TV won. And wrestling came back into the picture, and I watched it for another, like, 8 to 10 years before I kind of recently kind of struggle here and there just watching Royal Rumbles and WrestleManias. And that's where we're at. I didn't watch this year's Royal Rumble until two days before the WrestleMania, so I could kind of catch up, see what things were happening. Who had won the Royal Rumble? Who was fighting in WrestleMania? Things like that. I'm not saying it's not as interesting to me as it was before, but let's face it. Let's just face it. The PG era. I don't even know what the era is called now. The Roman Reigns era because he shoved down your throat is just not the attitude era. Doesn't have the hype of the WCW WWE war. Sorry, AEW that lasted for, you know, a good six months to a year. And then kind of fell off. Now you become an AEW or a WWE guy. That's just how it works. It's really not watching both back and forth. Because there's too much wrestling on now. To watch every program. And follow every single part of a storyline. You're watching 10 to 12 hours of wrestling a week. As a grown man. That hosts Edge of Your Seat Podcast. By the way, my name is Brandon LaChance. Just in case you didn't know. Writes for a magazine. Writes for two different newspapers. Starting tomorrow, today being April 22nd, tomorrow being April 23rd, is the official voice of the Rockford Revolution, a semi-pro football team. Illinois high school basketball and volleyball referee, I do not, do not have 10 to 12 hours a week to spend on wrestling. So, thank you to the network, WWE Network, or Peacock, whichever way you go, you can just watch the pay-per-views and go from there. So I watched Royal Rumble, try to get hype for WrestleMania. I really didn't get hype hype. <laughs> like, oh my God, I can't wait till it starts. No, there were a couple matches I was interested about. I wanted to see Stone Cold Steve Austin in his first match in 19 years and probably his last match ever. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see the Hall of Fame Undertaker being inducted, a huge figure of every wrestling fan's life. No doubt. Doesn't matter how old you are. If you were live from 1990 to 2022, he's in your life. So I had to see that. So quick breakdown. It's two days now. That is a lot of time to just devote to wrestling. I mean, I did. I watched both parts, Saturday and Sunday. And it's cool because now you're streaming so you can pause it. You can go do other things, come back, continue it. You don't have to watch it all at one time. But it is a lot, and I think that's another reason, or the main reason, why I kind of quit following wrestling like that, because just don't have the time. But anyway, I already said that. Instead of going over all the matches, we'll just go over the best and the worst from Saturday and Sunday. Saturday's best, Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. Man, 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 man. Both of them are super crazy talented. Cody Rhodes coming back from the AEW when he was a founding father. Leaves the company. What does that say about AEW? Are they already having WCW problems now? Like, didn't they just start? And one of the founding fathers is like, all right, Asla vista, I'm going back to the WWE. That should be sending huge red flags to AEW fans of what's going on behind the scenes. They're throwing out money. They're getting wrestlers. They're getting talent. But WCW did the same thing and squandered a lot of people, including their TV ratings, and their business because they went out of business. Just saying. Hopefully that doesn't happen to AEW. Competition is always good. But you can see the red flags. They're there. They're there. But that was my favorite match. I mean, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins, some of their back and forth, their roll ups, their attempted pins. It was just fun to watch. There was constant movement. Those are matches that are tons of fun to watch. And you did not know who was going to win. You did not. I don't know if things were leaked. I didn't go through all that because, again, who's got time? But if you're not paying attention to Twitters and the magazines and all that other stuff, you didn't know who was going to win. And you could tell they did not keep it under wraps very well that it was Cody Rhodes. that had a surprise opponent for Seth Rollins and were not saying who it was. The fans already knew because they're chanting it. Cody, Cody. Before his music drops, before you even see his face, they knew. That could also be a reason why... Older fans, us, my age group, don't follow as much is because it used to be surprising. There wasn't the internet coverage and the Twitters and the Facebooks and the news sites that are like TMZ and just trying to drop everything before it even happens. We already know it's scripted, but at least let us be excited about changes or something crazy that's going to happen. Like Cody Rhodes leaving AEW to come to WWE, but that's not there anymore. So it takes that excitement away. Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair was good. It was good. They went at it. Belair beating Becky was super cool. You got to have title changes at a WrestleMania. And Belair, from what I understand, has set herself up to do so. So that was cool. Ronda Rousey Charlotte was cool. But then the ending, you're like, all right, you know, this is just to prolong storylines. And that's what they're doing, which is cool. But that takes it away from the top of the mountain. So, Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, my favorite as in terms of wrestling. My most entertaining match was definitely Steve Austin and Kevin Owens. No DQ, Stone Cold doing Stone Cold things, Kevin Owens doing Kevin Owens things. I love Kevin Owens, by the way. And I'm glad that that's who they linked each other up with. Steve Austin, Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, Steve Austin. For Austin's last match, that's how it should have been. I liked it. Wasn't award-winning wrestling, but entertainment value, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. The worst match, I mean, The Usos, Shinsuke McNamara, and Rick Boggs, that wasn't that cool. Rick Boggs got hurt, blew out his knee. So, I don't know if I want to call it that as the worst match of the day, of Saturday. But it wasn't that cool. And Miz and Logan Paul versus Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio were just kind of boring. It's kind of predictable. He knew what was going to happen. So I'll probably go that one. Sorry Mysterio's Ms. Logan Paul is a joke anyway to me. Take yourself back to your reality YouTube and stay there. You're not an athlete. I don't care what you did against Floyd Mayweather Jr. Who was probably said, hey, don't knock him out. Just make this thing last. It's for publicity. It's for money. Let's let's make that happen. I'm sure that's what the talks were behind the scenes. It was not Logan Paul being a great fighter and going toe-to-toe with Floyd Mayweather Jr. Who is really retired. Moving on to Sunday... The most entertaining match was Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn. I mean, you had the whole jackass crew there. Jackass Forever just came out. Good timing. Johnny known for tearing up his body. Why not doing it in a wrestling match on WrestleMania? And he got the W. So, I could definitely predict in five years that he is in the entertainment section of the Hall of Fame. I would not be surprised about that at all. It was awesome to see Triple H start Sunday's entertainment by saying thank you like he just retired from active duty active wrestling and he's a goat he's a hall of famer he means a lot to the business a lot to my childhood for sure Degeneration X China X-Pac again Shawn Michaels they were a lot of fun to watch very very entertaining so for him to come out and say thank you I don't think I shed a tear I didn't get teary-eyed but I was like man you know thank you like thank you back the best match in my mind was the four-way tag team titles for the SmackDown Women's Division. Naomi and Sasha Banks got the win over Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler and Natalya, and Queen Zelina and Carmella, who were the champs. It was just a lot of fun. It was chaotic. I mean, you got eight people in a match. Non-stop action. All kinds of things are happening. And it was just a lot of fun. It was set up well. Naomi and Sasha got the win. Sasha's a great wrestler. Naomi's super athletic. It was just a lot of fun to watch. And there was real wrestling. Like, they can go. All of them could go. The worst match to me was probably Omos, Omas. Well, I think it's Omas. And Bobby Lashley. Not a fan of Bobby Lashley. I think he's boring. And Omas is just a seven foot goon. I don't mean to say goon, but if you look through the history of the WWE, the great Kali, guys like that, that are just really tall. They're supposed to be crazy strong and beat people up, but they become robotic or stiff and just not a lot of fun to watch. And I feel that this guy, Omas, is that guy. So, wasn't a lot of cool wrestling moves, just a kind of a like bunch of punches, and let's see if Bobby Lashley can knock him down. And that was a wrap. That was the match. And we cannot talk about the Sunday part of Wrestlemania without talking about Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns I mean, cool match it was going on and they were doing their thing and then bam, it's over Brock Lesnar hits him with a couple moves Roman Reigns keeps kicking out F5s, whatever, doesn't phase me and then Roman Reigns hits a fluke, spear, and that's it if you follow wrestling it was all over Twitter, like why is that the main event and why did it end like that again, pushing Roman Reigns down our throats But they do the same thing with Brock Lesnar. So it is what it is. If you hear that in the background, that is rain. April showers bring May flowers. We better get a lot of flowers in May. Raining constantly. But that's my WrestleMania breakdown. It was cool. It was entertaining. But just a lot of hours. A lot of hours for an okay time. It's not mind-blowing anymore. It's not, oh my god, it's WrestleMania! No, that kind of, that's faded. Been around for so long, it's every year, and the, the quality, the entertainment of the show is not the same as it was before. But I'll probably keep watching because it is WrestleMania, and they still got 70,000 people to come to the Dallas Cowboys Stadium and watch it. And they had the Cowboys cheerleaders there, which never hurts anything. The reason we start this off talking all about wrestling is because our guest, our guest, 12-gauge, Gage Noonan from LaSalle, Peru, continuing his wrestling career. We spoke in November. He had a show in the area, and we had to have him on. Had to. So we talk all about wrestling, all kinds of cool stuff. His career is progressing in a fantastic fashion. Good for him. He's doing his thing constantly. He puts in the work and just wants to be a wrestler. He's all about the AEW. You'll find that out in this interview, this conversation. It's all about AEW. WWE, I mean, they had good characters and good wrestlers when he was growing up as well. But he loves his AEW. Likes the product way better. And that's, if he got an opportunity, that's where he would want to go. And before we get to Gage, we are bringing it back with Bring It Back. Breaking down an album that you voted for off of the Rolling Stones Top 500 Albums of All Time list. Been a while since I had it out there. Listen to the album, which is Kid Cudi, Man on the Moon, tons of times. I listened to a few songs. Actually, I knew like four or five songs from the album already, but dove into it. Deep, deep, deep dove into this album. We'll try to get those out on a more regular basis, including getting this show out on a more regular basis. Do the plugs real quick. And then we'll break some stuff down. First, don't know where you're listening to this episode, but you can catch Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and our website, www.rss.com backslash podcast. That's plural with an S backslash edge of your seat podcast. Social media, we are on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, edge of your seat P you have any questions suggestions you want to be a guest you know somebody that would be a good guest you like something i say or don't like something i say or the same thing with a guest reach out send an email to edge podcast at gmail.com shout out to brian cavelli the mastermind behind the intro and outro beat siu alum siu brother good friend of mine thanks my dude really appreciate it And this show is brought to you by Mendota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. When we did the poll, we're at 460, 459, 458, 457. 460 was Lord's album, Melodrama, from 2007. 459 was Kid Cudi, Man on the Moon, The End of Day, from 2009. 458 was Jason Isbell's album, Southeastern, from 2013. And 457 with Sinead O'Connor's I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got from 1990. Kid Cudi won the poll. Jason Isbell surprised me and took second. I didn't know how many people actually listened to him. Tons of support for Jason Isbell. After we figured out who the winner was, I went and listened to a couple songs just to see what missed out on. Good stuff. He's talented. No doubt. No doubt. I'd never even heard of him. People like, oh, you got to check him out. He's good. Well, I listened to a couple songs, and I agree. I agree. I thought Sinead O'Connor was going to win this. I really did. Maybe the 1990 prestige of her shaving her head and her weird videos and stuff like that rubbed, you know, is gone. Not rubbed off, but just rubbed away. So I was expecting her to, to do a little better than she did. She finishes third, and Lord finished fourth. I'd heard the name, but don't know if I know any songs. At least I don't know any songs off the top of my head. Probably heard him on the radio or something like that, but not none that I could say. Oh, yeah, that's heard. That's off that album. Nothing I could do like that. So Kid Cudi wins. And I was excited. I was because I'd heard a few of the songs. Day and night was a banger right after my college career. So I listened to that one a lot. The Pursuit of Happiness is still one of my top five songs ever. That song means the world to me. So I'm like, oh, man, I got to check out this album. I'll be super happy listening to this. And I listened to it a lot because initially, when I first listened to it, I was not impressed. There were some good concepts. He was trying to merger good and bad and hey, in the light, I'm a shining star in the darkness. I'm kind of a nightmare and there's a lot of things going on in my life and in my head. Cool concept. I mean, We all kind of battle our demons and our angels and stuff like that. I just wasn't really impressed. So I kept listening to see if, I could get impressed if I could get excited about the whole album instead of just a couple songs that I already was. And I don't know. i probably continue listening to the same songs that I did before and maybe add a couple and we'll see which ones. But first, let's talk about Kid Cudi and then the album process itself. And then we'll go talk about each song and rank them. Kid Cudi was born January 30th, 1984. Just a little bit older than me. As Scott Raymond Seguero Muscutty. He was born in Cleveland, Ohio, so he's another Midwest boy. And this album, Man on the Moon, The End of Day, was his very first album. He's had seven cents, so eight altogether. And they're based on the premises of his childhood, depression, loneliness, alcohol and drugs, heartbreak, spirituality, and celebration. I mean, it's life, right? That's what he's talking about, which is cool. I mean, he does got a lot of real content in here, like real things. Cuddy was kind of discovered because of a mixtape. He came out with a mixtape called, A Kid Named Cuddy, Kanye West heard it. Signed him to Good Music in 2008. Bro, you're talented, come in. So he knew things were moving for him if Kanye West brings in. Kid Cudi won two Grammys and one Urban Music Award. Day and Night, which I referenced earlier, earned the first Grammy and had three Grammy nods as well. He's got six nominations. And two wins. He's also won a video music award from MTV. He's got some awards doing his thing. He was in a 2021 film called Don't Look Up. I haven't seen it. You let me know if you have, if it was any good. He has done a lot of collab work with Kanye West, actually. He co-wrote four songs on Kanye West's album, 808s and Heartbreaks, which we will probably see on this list eventually. I don't see how we don't. In 2018... Kanye West and Kid Cudi formed Kid C Ghost. That was the name of their duo. And a lot of people think it was one of the best albums of the year. I've listened to it. It is phenomenal. Over his eight albums, Kid Cudi has sold $22 million. He's owned his own labels. He had Dream On. It is now defunct. And now he owns Wicked Awesome Records. So he's trying to be an entrepreneur too. You know, making sure he's getting money on the other side of it, not just being the talent. Even though he has eight albums, and his career kicked off in 2008, he's still relevant. April 9th, just a few weeks ago, he performed the song Stars in the Sky, which is off Sonic the Hedgehog 2 soundtrack, and Pursuit of Happiness, which I referenced earlier, at the Kids' Choice Awards. So he's still doing his thing, he's still around, getting picked up for movie soundtracks. I think he sticks out to the younger generation though, because, I mean, Man on the Moon... He's got a couple Man on the Moon albums. For some odd reason, him and Travis Scott with World, just the out-of-body, galaxy, universe topics or ideas, themes, speak to some people. And that's how they're gaining their audience. Good for him. It's kept him in the limelight. Even through these eight albums, in my mind, this is the only one that sticks out that I'm like, hey, Man on the Moon, end of day. I remember that when it came out. I don't really remember the releases of the rest of them, but he had releases. He's had eight albums and now he's on soundtracks for Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So I would say he's doing his thing. The album itself, Man on the Moon, End of Day, was released September 15th, 2009, his debut album. And it is the first installment of the Man on the Moon trilogy. So there's three albums called Man on the Moon out of the eight albums that he he's done. What is cool about this one, his very first one, is it's narrated by Common. If you're a Midwest guy and you listen to hip-hop, Common from Chicago, in the 2000s was the man, that voice, his style, everything. You wanted to listen to Common. So to have Common narrate your first album, that's pretty epic. He had production from Kanye West, That Speaks Volumes, Plain Pat, Dot the Genius, Alchemist, Rat Attack, all huge producers. At this time, the length of the album, 18 songs, 58 minutes, 33 seconds, three singles on it. And again, if you know Kid Cudi, you know all these day and night maker say, which was a playoff Lady Gaga's poker face pursuit of happiness. Those were all big songs, big songs. What I thought was cool is when he came out with maker say the promotion, the tour that he was going to go on was with Asher Roth and Lady Gaga. So it wasn't even like Lady Gaga was mad that he like took her song and flipped it on what she had said. Kind of a back and forth of a poker face and make her say, if you've never heard the songs, listen to them. But I thought that was cool that he did a tour with Lady Gaga after they both had made these songs. That's pretty cool. The album debuted at number four on the Billboard 200 charts, sold 104,000 copies in its first week, and has went double platinum. If you look at how it's kind of classified... It's classified as psychedelic, indie pop, rhythm and blues, electronic, rock, and then add a touch of hip-hop. I still think it's a hip-hop album. You can throw these other things in. It's kind of psychedelic hip-hop, but it's a rapper hip-hop album to me. If you go to a music store, which good luck finding one of those, or if you look on the iPhone store, the Apple store, Google Play, Spotify, you're going to find him, Kid Cudi, and this album, under rap and hip-hop. But like I said, I was super excited that this won the poll. It was cool. Glad I got to listen to it. I just wasn't impressed as I thought I would be. I mean, again, Day and Night, Pursuit of Happiness are two awesome, amazing songs. Day and Night, you might still hear on regular radio stations all the time. Pursuit of Happiness, he's still performing in 2022 when it was on an album in 2009. That's the range that this song has had and what it means to people. So with those two songs on this album and then Make Her Say, which was popular and, you know, part of culture at that time. I was thinking this album was going to be epic, epic, epic. And it just wasn't. It was okay. It was solid. Had some good songs, even after the ones I've already mentioned. But nothing that I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to listen to that album all the time. That's just not going to happen. Before we get to the song rankings, let's have a word with our sponsor, Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town. The staff of General Manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranek pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship to get you every vehicle you want in cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Doug Safranek is from Mendota, Basketball Player of the Year in 2003, and is ready to use his knowledge of vehicles to connect with your wishes to get you the vehicle you're searching for. Jason Hintz has been with Mendota Ford for six years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Shimmer family. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Ski, Jason, and Doug will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with a little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.MendotaFord.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. There's 18 songs on... Kid Cudi's Man on the Moon, The End of Day. We'll talk about all 18. I'm going to just rank the top 10. Because after 9, it was kind of tough to decide who went where. And you know a top 10 out of 18? That's pretty solid. The first song is called In My Dreams, The Cutter Anthem. It's slow, nursery rhyme-ish. I mean, it is an intro to an album. That's kind of how a lot of them are, especially in 2009. That was kind of the thing. Also mentioned Common narrates a lot of the album. In this, Common speaks about being a leader in life. You know, the story of a young man fighting to reach his dreams and to do what he wants to do instead of what people are telling him to do. So that message is loud and clear and pretty cool to start an album off that way. The second song, Soundtrack to My Life. I love this quote. I won't say the the cuss word. We try not to do that at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. But one of the quotes in the song is 99 Problems, they're all the B word. Because obviously Jay-Z had come out with the song 99 Problems in a B ain't one. Well, to Kid Cudi, he thought they were. The beat is amazing. I love it. And he straight up says, hey, this is my life. I got some missions. No one can see them except me. And I'm going to do what I have to do. I like that message a lot. I mean, we all have those. And to be able to accomplish them, or even set out to accomplish them. Sometimes that's tough. Like, that's hard to do. Kid Cudi's like, I'm doing it, and I'm doing it my way. Three, simple as. And he makes it simple. He says ABCs. He says simple math. He's like, life is simple. Why do we got to complicate it? It's already complicated enough. Then at the end, Common starts speaking again and says, this is the rise of the nightmare. So... Could Cudi try to do this album with, you know, the angel and the devil on your shoulders and the angel telling you to do all the good stuff and live life to the best and prosper, things like that. And then you got the Nightmare who was saying, let's have fun. We're not going to be the great angel all the time and things bad are going to happen. Maybe not even bad, but things that are not held to, oh my gosh, this is how they should be. And it starts with Solo Dolo. And if it's the nightmare part of Kid Cudi, it has that in the album listings. So Solo Dolo is the first nightmare song. And it's about not having nobody. You're rolling through life, questioning your place in it, fighting and doing it yourself. Line that hit with me was, why must it feel so wrong when I'm just trying to do right? I know you felt that way before. Five, Heart of a Lion, the Kid Cudi theme. It's about being strong. No one can break or stop you. Number six, My World with Billy Craven. It's about doing it all on your own. It's your world. You're lonely in it. Your father left you alone. You raised yourself or with very little help. You were staring at the moon. He was too artsy and nerd. And the whole world told him he wasn't going to be nothing. At that point in his life, that was Kid Cudi's world. Seven, Day and Night. You've heard this song before. It's also a nightmare track. The difference between day and night. You're lonely. You go through the miserable... Part of your day, and then it all freezes at night and you're doing whatever you want to, whether it's partying or, you know, with the opposite sex. Because at night, you see the life you made, the success, the girls, the parties, and you just go in sliding into your white nikes. I do love that line. I love it. I got black nikes right now. I'll slide into those too. Eight, sky might fall. The happiness is gone. You have to fight through it. Your figuratively sky could fall, but you still got to battle and pick it back up. So the messages behind these songs are really cool. Like, I like the empowering fact. Some of the beats are just, again, that psychedelic, that moon, skies, outer galaxy, world type stuff, and that's just not my flavor. Obviously, it's somebody's flavor because this album is really, really popular, double platinum. It doesn't go double platinum for no reason. And he's got some songs that are forever going to be in my playlist. Not saying that, but. For a music lover, a music fan, you got to be able to listen to the message and enjoy the music as well because the music is why we're listening to it. Words, we can read a book. We can hear somebody speaking on open mic night. We can go to poetry clubs. We hear music. We want to hear music with the words. Number nine, enter galactic love connection part one. And that's what it is. And it is a very weird beat with a 1980s feel. Way too galactic for me. It's a love song for sure in outer space with different aliens and stuff 10 alive another nightmare track i like this song one of the quotes that gets me every time the moon shines i become alive so just saying he's a night owl when it becomes dark and he can roam he feels alive the 11th track is the cutty zone it's his i made it song you know people wanted to hate all the time then i became successful and then they were around just because I became successful. I feel like on a debut album for a rapper, every every album has one of these. Song twelve, "Makers Say," has Kanye and Common. It's off of Lady Gaga's Poker Face. The beat's still there. Lady Gaga's, you know, part of the chorus. It's a party song. It's about getting together with people in what you make her say. Thirteen. The Pursuit of Happiness, this song will forever be in my top five. It's about the trials of tomorrow, moving through everything, trying to make sure you're happy. And whatever it takes to get you there, whatever you gotta do, just get there. 14, Higher, with Chip the Ripper. It's a slower Chicago-style song. It reminds me of Do or Die in the early 90s. And it's definitely... A song that people were listening to or would want to listen to on 420. 15, Up and Up Away. Uh, this is another achieving song, a My Dream song, but it's very popish. It's got a kid beat, and he was trying to sell it to the kids on this song. 16, Man on the Moon. It is very slow and methodical, and why do you doubt me or think I can't be great when I know I can? I had Judgment, was making him think like he was a crazy or he was an alien. And he had to make sure he knew that he was all right being different and being the man on the moon and doing his own thing. 17, TGIF, thank God it's Friday, with Chip the Ripper again. And this is another drug song. It's just a throw on doing what I do and I'm going to do it my way. And number 18, the closeout track, really old school beat. On, is there any love? It was one of those, you know, mid 80s, late 80s, like a uh, Eric B and Rock can beat or Pete Rock, like one of those type of beats. And it's asking, is there any love out here or are people just, you know, using people just trying to get through things, whether it's a relationship, a war, everyday dwellings. Is there any love between people anymore? Raises some good points. And I love that Wale was on it. I'm a huge Wale fan. So having Kid Cudi and Wale get together on a track, that was pretty sweet. All right, ran through them. Let's go through our rankings. Pursuit of Happiness, number one, for sure. Like I said, it's a top five song of mine of all time. Two, Day and Night. I will go by the Billboard chart to the chalk as Pursuit of Happiness is amazing. Day and Night is a club banger was everywhere for a couple years. I will go chalk when it comes to that when I'm doing these rankings. Three, soundtrack to my life. The beat is amazing. And, and sometimes you just gotta see through the things that are right in front of your face. We all hear the lies. We all hear that we can't do this. Or what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know what you're doing. You're creating the soundtrack to your life. Four, solo dolo. I listen to this song all the time to this day. You know, you're rolling through life questioning what your place is. Why must it feel so wrong when I'm trying to do right? No doubt. I ask myself that a lot. Number five, my world. Again, I like the beat and I like the fact that he's like, hey, people thought I was too artsy or I was a nerd or, you know, I didn't have this going for me and I had to prove it to everybody. Six, makers say, I mean, culture wise, it's up there. It's a good song. Seven. Alive. You know, every time the moon shines, I become alive. Like, there's something in everybody's life when when something happens, whether it's just a click or something said to you or a change of environment, your life changes. Whether you realize it or not, things are happening that make you feel differently, that make you act differently, that make you succeed or fail or things like that. And that song is all about that. And I love it. Eight. Higher with Chip the Ripper. Again, I don't indulge in 420. I don't do those things. But the do or die, the similarities, like I loved it. I grew up on do or die. Twista, if you don't know, do or die is a group from Chicago. And their sound, their vibe was definitely loud and clear in this song. 11, Cuddy Zone, the I Made It song. I'm gonna be successful. If there wasn't one of these on every single Debut rap album. It might have been higher. To be completely honest with you. But this is a song we've heard before. Just not from him. 10. Had to get Wale in there. Is there any love? I like the old school beat. I like that it sounds like a cypher. That they're just rapping. Doesn't matter the beat in the background. They're just going at it. Like they're at a club in 1990. Going to war with somebody. And they're talking about things that mean something. And that's what this song made me feel. Before we wrap up the show and get to our guy, 12 Gauge, talking about his wrestling career, we need to have a word with Olsen Construction. I mean, it's April. As soon as we get rain gone, it's going to feel like spring and nice weather. Outside family gatherings, having people over at your house, opening up the windows, making it smell beautiful without having an air conditioner or heater on, at least for a little bit because the air conditioning is probably coming quick this is the perfect time for renovations to showcase your humble abode your asylum your world your home olson construction is a licensed and insured family-owned and operated company that prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job brothers keith Miles and tommy olson had the skills and the 10 years of experience to install demolish build recreate calculate formulate and percolate It's time for the percolator. Home renovations in any room, hallway, staircase, garage, shed, or basement. For a free estimate, call 815-910-5982. Check out the Olsen Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsenconstruction19 at gmail.com. Let's talk some NBA playoffs real quick. We're in the thick and thin of things now. First round of the playoffs. Haven't discussed it yet. Let's break them down real quick. See where we're at. Who, edge of your seat podcast. Okay, Brandon LaChance thinks is going to advance. We'll start with the Eastern Conference. The top seed Heat taking on number eight Hawks who won a playing game to get here. Heat are up 2-0 and I think the Heat are going to sweep them. Too talented, too many options. Trey Young is struggling in first halves and then coming alive in the second half trying to get him back in the game but it's not enough because the Heat are just going crazy. Next series, the four, Philadelphia 76ers, the five, Toronto Raptors. 76ers already got a 3-0 lead. Same thing as the Heat Hawks series. The 76ers with Joel Embiid, James Harden. Too many, too many guns, options. Sorry, Raptors, game over. This is the series I am paying attention to, and game three is tonight. The three-seeded Bucks and number six, Bulls. I'm a lifelong Bulls fan and would love to see them take this and knock out Giannis. Chris Middleton out for the rest of the series. I think he's out for two to four weeks with an injury. DeMar DeRozan in game two, 41 points, seven rebounds went nuts. I don't know if he's got to do that every single game, but we got to find a way to slow down Giannis. And I think the Bulls may have a shot to upset the Bucs and take them out of the postseason. That would be amazing. We'll find out what happens in game three tonight but it's tied 1-1 at the moment the celtics are the two seed against the nets who are the seven seed i love love that boston has a 2-0 lead over the nets not that i love the celtics although jason tatum is a great player so is jalen brown al horford is amazing even in older age i just like the underdog stories i know the celtics are the two seed and the nets are the seven seed But to knock out Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the first round, that to me is an upset. That's an upset. I'd love to see it. Western Conference, Suns and Pelicans. Suns, the top seed. Pelicans, the eight. It's 1-1. I think Suns are going to run away with this, but Pelicans are vibing right now. Brandon Ingram is playing out of his mind, which is awesome. CJ McCullum adds that shooting threat that they didn't have before. And another option that's a top option. I think the Suns take it, but it's not going to be easy. This one surprised me. The Mavericks are the four. The Jazz are the five. The Mavs have a 2-1 lead without Luka Doncic, who suffered a knee injury at the end of the season. The Mavs have a 2-1 lead. I thought the Jazz were a really good team, and coming into this season, they were like my top three teams in the West. Sure, they finished five, but I just thought they had the right mix of players to get it done. If you're losing to the Mavs, Without Doncic, you're not getting out of the first round. This is not a surprise to me. The three-seeded Warriors, number six, the Nuggets. Warriors have a 3-0 lead. I know that Nikola Jokic is probably going to be the MVP for the second straight year. And the Nuggets aren't even going to win a game. The Warriors play a too-fast of style. They have shooters all over the court. They have playmakers all over the court. Steph Curry is coming off the bench and they won the first three games of the series. What does that say? Sorry, Jokic, your Nuggets are going nowhere the way they're currently configured. And then this series, which has been really, really, really interesting, the two-seeded Memphis Grizzlies, number seven, Minnesota Timberwolves. Grizzlies got a 2-1 lead, but it should be Minnesota 2-1. Don't know if you watched the game last night. Minnesota came out on fire and had a 26 point lead Grizzlies come back cut it down to like five or six and then Minnesota goes up by 20 and the Grizzlies come back and win the game by nine I know basketball is a game of runs but that is absurd so crazy so it's going to be interesting to see what happens Minnesota is not a bad team and if you ask me I think Memphis is in a number two seed I love John Morant that dude's gonna be a stud for a long time, barring any injuries. So, this series is gonna be great to watch. Hopefully, you're watching the NBA playoffs. Great time of the year. I mean, it takes about three months, but you find out who the best team really is. That's why I love the NBA playoffs, cause, yeah, the NCAA tournament for college basketball is awesome. There's Cinderella's and one game, and can we do it this day? But there's also those fluke wins. A lot of these upsets, They play a hundred times. They're winning one or two of those games. And it just happens to be that day. One team is off. The other team is on fire. They're pumped up and it's over. In the NBA setup, the best team's going to win. You have to win four times. You're not going to have four fluke games where you play better than the other team or the team just doesn't play well. That's not going to happen. So it's great, 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 great to see. One more quick thing. RIP to Gilbert Godfrey. Always thought this man had the most annoyingest voice in the world. But for entertainment purposes, Iago, the bird on Aladdin, that was Gilbert Godfrey. The principal and problem child and that annoying voice as he's yelling at him, Gilbert Godfrey. Like that was who I remember him as. His voice is now iconic and what he did in movies and TV and everything that he did for his career, iconic. Rest in peace. Thank you for keeping me entertained. No doubt. Well, we got to get to our man, 12 Gauge. Talk about his wrestling career, everything he has going on. Until next time. Peace. It seems like every single time I either enter an establishment or I turn on the TV, there is wrestling commercials for either WWE or AEW, or there's a pay-per-view on, or a show is on. Wrestling has actually been everywhere lately, even though I haven't really watched, stayed in tune, in contact with it, in, man, I'm going to say 2015 or 16. But it's been everywhere nonetheless. And not only national stuff, But kind of local as well. Our guest today is a wrestler. We've had him on before. Had to have him back because he's got a whole new schedule, all kinds of new stuff going on for him. Talking about 12 Gauge, Gauge Noonan. 12 Gauge, what is going on, my dude? Nothing much yourself, Brandon. Nothing. Just trying to follow you. Trying to kind of stay in the wrestling world, at least locally or you know Illinois statewide. And you know, you're kind of making it cool to just follow and be like, hey, I know this dude,
1: and he's good at what he does. Well, I thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah. Uh, ever since I started, now it's a lot of things have been coming in picture, and I've been spreading out more. So it's been a great journey so far for this past year. Perfect. Last time we spoke, I believe it was like right after your first match. Uh, yes, correct. It was. I think it was like a week after my first match when we talked. And I had one match under my belt then. Now I got plenty more. Do you have a number or just plenty more? I would say I've had about, we'll go into
0: late 20s, maybe into the 30s, I would say, for matches. Okay, so as of November 10th. 2021 you're around 30 matches yeah i would say around there okay okay what has been your favorite match at this point who were you fighting where were you fighting what kind of match
1: uh my favorite match was actually in my hometown it was in peru i was at uh, my mom's restaurant Los Degrados. we held a sh- show down there we had a company called zao which is one of my local co- that's my local company the company i wrestled with the most they wanted to get down to Peru, so they're like, all right, we, we can do it at the Grado's. Yeah, so it was hometown. I faced Bucky Collins, and it was just a normal one-on-one match. It was in the main event, and that's my favorite. It went so well. I was so scared. I debuted a new move, which is, i say, called a, a Springboard 360 Cutter, so I jumped off the ropes. You know what an RKO is by Randy Orton. That's what probably most people know it as. This move is called a Cutter, but he calls it the RKO. But what I did is I jumped off the corner, I did a 360 and then hit it and that was the finish and everyone popped for it and the crowd was just so loud and it was, it was just awesome being in my hometown performing in front of everybody because all my old teachers were there, family, friends. It was awesome. It was a really, really cool experience, but that is by far my favorite match I've ever had. Sounds amazing. Is
0: there a clip on YouTube or something of this move? Because it sounds crazy.
1: There is on my Instagram, which is 12gauge underscore wrestles. Um, I can send you it too as well. But it it was a sick move and everyone loved it. So I'll definitely send
0: it to you so you're able to see it. Yeah, we might even uh, put it on this post too so everybody can see it because that does sound pretty insane.
1: I was going to say, you know, it was pretty insane. I was so nervous before because I hit it once in training. In training, like, I could barely hit it. So it was like. It was a little sketch, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have the adrenaline in me. I'm just going to try it. And if I don't, you got to call on the fly. you just got to go, go with the flow. And it went perfect. Couldn't go any better. Definitely.
0: And when you said the uh, name of the wrestling affiliation you're wrestling for, is it ZOWA? Is that how you say it? Uh, Zawa. Zawa. Is it
1: Z-O-W-A? Yes. Where is that based out of? They have a lot of shows in Oregon, Illinois, I would say it's around there. They do Sterling and Oregon. So uh, many shows around there, but we do uh, travel to other places. So we've done stuff in Deer Grove, uh, Elizabeth. We went to uh, Rock Falls, which is in that area. So, yeah, around that area.
0: I mean, even if you're wrestling in Sterling or Oregon, if you're from Peru, Mendota, Princeton, I mean, that is definitely traveling distance to come check out these shows
1: i say most of the shows I go to are about an hour to an hour and a half. I have started wrestling with some other companies as well. Like, I wrestled in St. Louis at St. Louis Anarchy. So that was a pretty big drive. I wrestled with Anna Fight Underground. Uh, that was in Anna, Illinois. That was a, another really, really far drive. That was about five and a half hours, I believe. I've traveled a bit, done some other companies. But, yeah, the what, my local company is just about an hour to every travel, maybe two. Nice.
0: uh hey, not- That was kind of in the area where I was at for college at SIU in Carbondale. That is way south Illinois.
1: It was a far drive. At first, I didn't realize it. I I took the booking, and I was like, yeah, and I was like, I know it's going to be a far drive. And then I remember days before, because I was going to figure out what time I'm leaving, because I have to go. Obviously, since I'm still new to the business, you go there, you pay your respects and everything. You help set up, and you help tear down. So I need to plan out when I have to leave in that. And then I looked, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is This is a
0: long drive, but it was worth it. Definitely. Always worth it when you can get in the ring, beat up some people. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, through wrestling, you can follow wrestlers, Stone Cold, Steve Austin, Undertaker, the millions and millions of names and see their trajectory and how their character changed, how their moveset changed, how you know, they became who they are now. We look at them and like, oh man, they, some were legends, some weren't. Even if you weren't, you know, the top of the card, the main event, you know, mid card, lower, you still developed, you still like changed things. In your career so far, your 30 matches in, what are some changes, some developments that you've seen in either your character, your gear, your wrestling style, what has changed so far
1: in your first 30 matches? I can tell you what, the number one thing that has changed most is my character. I have been able to get out there more and work with the crowd way better than, I, than my first match. Like my first match, going back and rewatching watching it, for a first match, it's good. But going back, it's just one of those things, you know, when you like look and you're like, oh, I don't want to watch this and cringe a little. You're like, oh, I can't. I can't watch it. Uh, that's what that video is when I go back and watch it. But going back there, I didn't think I worked the crowd once. I think all I did was just get on the top row after um, I did something. And I was like, yeah, let's go. Uh, and it was, that was, I think. it. And now I work with the crowd so much and the crowd, and I get the crowd into it more which is awesome, and that's a big part of wrestling because, yeah, obviously knowing what to do and technique and everything is very important, but working the crowd is the number one thing you got to do in the match because if the crowd's not invested, then you're not invested, and you know it, and you can't perform at your peak. So you got to know the crowd's in it, and you got to get a in it. My first match, too, I had tights I got off of Amazon. That was my first ever gear, and now I have my own custom tights. They're red and gold with my logos on the side and the butt, and it's, they're pretty sick. And I do right now have another set of gear uh, being made. I can't show it or anything because I don't, I don't want to spoil. But it is Power Rangers themed, so it's and they look pretty good. I'll tell you that they're very expensive too. So I'm hoping they turn out very very well. From my first match on with move wise, at first I was doing. I would say a little more, obviously, is the basic moves. There was some cool moves I was doing. And then now, like I said, like with the 360 Springboard Cutter, I've enhanced my moveset and I've added a lot more. Uh, one of my favorite wrestlers, his name's Will Ospreay. He uh, wrestles in New Japan. He's actually doing a tour in the U.S. right now. A really big inspiration to me for uh, my style of wrestling. I like to look what he does and then not copy, but I like to see, all right, I want to do some type of form of this, and then you tweak it up a little bit, and you figure out what fits you the best. But definitely out of any, everything that's improved, my character has improved a thousand percent. Awesome, awesome. And
0: still going with 12-Gage, that's the name.
1: Yes, uh, the Boomstick 12-Gage. Boomstick's my nickname, which is short for Shotgun. <laughs> okay, okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, with a name like Gage, you kind of had to do that, right? Yeah, it was either
1: that or... I remember when I was a little kid, uh, I would wrestle with all my friends. We'd post on YouTube and everything in uh, the backyard. We had our own little backyard company. And uh, it was either going to be... My name in there was uh, Eddie Bannon. It was either going to be that or it was going to be 12 Gauge. And I'm like, I, I want to I have my name in it. So I was like, you know what? We're going to go with 12 Gauge. And that's how I picked it. But I definitely know that
0: I did the right choice. Oh, yeah, because... You already got the nickname based off of, you know, a a shotgun. And there's so many different move names and stuff like that that you can play off of that name. It's fantastic.
1: My first finisher, I did a uh, front flip spear, and I would call it the Dragon's Breath, which is a modification to a shotgun. So that was, I really loved that
0: name for that move. So is the 360 cutter now your new finisher? Yes, that's my my new and current finisher. I've ha- I've done it for I would say probably a good probably ten of my matches. Do you ever get like nervous or anxious that you're gonna miss it or mess that up? Because it sounds difficult to do. Oh 110 <laughs> percent.
1: Anytime I go out there, I just right before I'm gonna do it, I just think to myself, I'm like, I could like completely mess up. Which once I did and it, like, somehow covered itself, so it was a fair show I was doing, and I went up to do it, and it was, like, rainy before, so the ropes are still a little, like, you know, moist and slippery, so when I went to jump up, my right foot slipped off, but I still got the hop off, so it turned into, like, me, like, just, like, pushing their head into the ground, but it's also a fair show, so they didn't really know what I was supposed to do. Because obviously they're just there to see, you know, the basic wrestling, whatever. Because you base off of, obviously when I go to my um, Zawa shows, there's wrestling fans that go there. At these fair shows, it's just a wide variety of a crowd. So they didn't know what was going on. But I did mess it up one time and that was because of the rain and I slipped. And uh, I go back and it doesn't look, I would say, like bad from anyone else's eyes. But from my eyes, it's like, yeah, I know I messed that up and it looks, <laughs> it, looks it looks bad. But I do get nervous but, like I said, when you're out there with the adrenaline and everything, like, everything kind of, like, exit your mind. Like, you might for a split second think of something, but, like, the next second it just, like, slips away and you have that adrenaline within you. Definitely.
0: You no, know, when you're in something like that, you're always thinking, like, the big times, right? If you're in baseball... You want to skip AAA, AA, AAA, you want to go straight to the MLB. Kind of works like that in wrestling. I mean, you would love oh, to yeah. wrestle at a WrestleMania. You would love to be on WWE Raw or AEW shows, things like that. But, you know, there's something special, something cool about the local shows where you have your people there or, you know, people that are looking at you like little kids or, you know, teenagers looking at you like, Hey, man. This is kind of where you got to start, or this is where I could see myself. So you're kind of like a role model. You're doing what you love, and you're you know, working your way up to the top. Talk about that dynamic, that process, and what that means to you.
1: My goal is, before I die, I want to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome in Japan. That's been my all-time dream. I want to wrestle, wrestle there so bad. My short-term goal is, in my 20s, I want to get signed with a company. Now, right now, I'm reaching to try to get to AEW. That's where I want to go rather than WWE. I just don't think WWE would be a good shit for what I want to do. And AEW is one of those new rising shows. And right now it's getting pretty big. But the process for that, I've, every Thursday I'm training. And then every night for after work, because I close at, uh, I manage at Los which is my mom's place. So I close and we close at midnight. So anytime after I work, I go straight to the gym and I'm hitting it hard every single day. Every Thursday, I'm going to uh, my wrestling ring I got and I'm training with my wrestling buds. But actually, uh, in January, you may know when you said you were focusing on WWE around 2014 and that uh, I actually got accepted into Black and Brave, which is a very, very big wrestling academy in the country ran by Seth Rollins. So I got accepted, and January 5th, I leave for Davenport, Iowa, where it's located, for three months, and I stay in a dorm. So I'm very, very excited for that, and I wanted to continue my training in wrestling because you can never get enough training. you always got to be trained. You can always get better, and that's just in any sport. You can always get better and better, and you got to put in the work because where I want to go, wrestling the Tokyo Dome, it's not easy. That's a very, very hard goal to have, and very seldom people can do it, but I know if I kick in the butt and I keep going and going and going, and I'm putting everything I got into it, I know I can reach my goal.
0: Fantastic, man! I know you can get there. I'm kind of pumped up for you. Actually, when I did watch wrestling my last little go there, the mid 2010, Seth Rollins was probably my favorite. No, he's awesome. I love Seth Rollins. He's been one of he's one of my favorites too. I like him better as a heel than a face, but that's just my personal opinion.
1: Oh, no, 110%. When when he's a heel, he just puts out a different breed of work. Like, when he's face, it's still good, don't get me wrong, but he's just 10 times better as a heel.
0: Yeah, because just the way he looks and his demeanor, he comes off as like a smirky, you know, kind of condescending somebody that you just you want to hit like just why are you talking to me like that that's kind of he came off anyway so it just played perfectly to who he is as a person oh for sure and speaking of that i mean does your character as you're you know going about your business is it who you are or are you trying to put on you know a, a master show and just trying to pretend you're somebody else or is it a little bit of you as well
1: um for my character i would say I mean, you always got to make those little tweaks. You got to add on some stuff. But I would say most of what I go out there and do is all me. Uh, It's all natural. And that's, I want to be more myself. Because if I'm pretending to be someone that I'm not, I'm not going to be able to master that role. If I'm being myself, I can master being myself. I mean, I think mostly anyone can. Most of my character is just being me. Like I said, there's some little things you put in there to... Make it a little better. But when I'm out there, I'm myself. Perfect,
0: perfect. You just wrestled in a show in Oregon this past Saturday, today being November 10th. Saturday, I believe, was the 6th um, in
1: Oregon. How did that show go? The show went really, really good. I was in the uh, main event. I was in a ladder ladder match to see who was going to be the new Mr. Zawa. And I ended up winning that ladder match, and I am the new Mr. Zawa champion in uh, Zawa, so that's pretty cool. Took some big bumps. I did a cutter off the ladder to someone. That was pretty intense. I got powerbombed through a ladder, and as we speak right now, I have cuts on my arm and bruises on my back and a couple other cuts from that ladder because it completely snapped on one side, but the other side didn't snap because when he did the powerbomb, he got more of the left side than the right. It was a pretty wicked bum. I also got thrown uh, into uh, the crowd, into a bunch of chair, steel chairs, so that was pretty cool, too. went very well. I'd say the whole show, um, the whole crowd was a good crowd. Everyone was invested the whole time. So from start to finish, it was a very, very loud and rowdy crowd. It was awesome. A lot of things to take out of that. First of all, your body.
0: Are you all right? Because some of those things, especially a ladder match... Man, <laughs> I see those things, and I'm like, if I hit a wall on accident with my elbow, I'm out for at least a couple hours like complaining about pain. <laughs> Some of the things you guys do in that wrestling ring is just unbelievable and not even a thought process that my body or pretty much anybody
1: I know's body can handle that. Um, I'm going to tell you what. Everything does hurt. Everything you see in that, it hurts. That ring is not like a trampoline. I'm going to tell you that. And not many people can go into a ring and just take a bump, which is when they fall. And it's just, the ring's not for everybody. So when people say like, oh, wrestling's fake and everything, I'm like, all right, how about you take a body slam? Then you'll see that it's fake. (laughs) But no, the ladder, I'm okay from it. It didn't, I would say, really hurt. I mean, when you're in the match, you have that adrenaline. When I got out of the match, just some of the cuts was stinging a little bit. But other than that, no, I have a pretty high pain tolerance. And, I mean, you got to for wrestling because you're always going to get hurt. You're always taking the bumps. You never get used to them. Never, ever get used to them. I'm fine, perfectly fine from it. Now, my parents were not too pleased about it. They were at the show. And my brother uh, came home with my nephews. So they came and saw the show, too. And he, he was in the Army for six years. And he even told me, like, that is the stupidest thing you could possibly do. <laughs> but, I mean, you've got to do what you got to do. He got everyone over. The crowd popped for it. And in wrestling, like I said, you got to do what you got to do to make it where you want to go. And that kind of stuff gets noticed.
0: Definitely. Since you said your family, let's give out some shout-outs and names. What are your parents' names and your brother?
1: My mom's name is Mary. My dad's name is Mark. And then my brother's name is Josh. And then I do have a sister um, named Mia, too, as
0: well. Perfect. And your parents are the owners of Lou's Legratos. Probably one of my, it's in my top three of pizzas. It is. Oh,
1: I thank you. I appreciate it. I love it. But my mom is the one that owns Lose. My dad is actually the uh, head show director for American Crew. I don't know if you know what that is, the hair product. I did not, but okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, he's the head show director for that. So that's pretty, that's pretty wild and awesome job for that.
0: Yeah, nice, 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 nice. Very good. So you were raised by two successful people and trying to teach you how to go about your business the same way.
1: Oh yes, no. And I go to my mom's because my mom also does uh, run a music or a booking business called Indigo Road, and she holds concerts and tours. Like she just had a Kane Brown tour that I went. I went to one of the concerts. I took my girlfriend. So it was, it was pretty awesome. We got front row for that. But um, she has a lot of concerts and she does nitro circuses, and she teaches me a lot of business. I'm gonna tell you what, she's a very, very successful businesswoman. And that's one person I want to learn from. And uh, I go to the concerts, and she teaches me a lot of what you need to know for business and everything, because that's something I want to know as well. Because obviously, wrestling, you never know, at any given time can go straight down the drain. Yep, any time, like a snap of your finger, it's over. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one, one wrong bump I take or move I take or anything, it's, it can be game over. So
0: Definitely. What's your girlfriend's name?
1: Uh, Aubrey, So you just said,
0: how you know, your parents at the show in Oregon were like, man, that's kind of crazy. I hope you're not killing yourself. You got a girlfriend. I'm sure she probably, you know, feels some of the pain with you. I mean, I'm sure they support you because they're at your show. They're watching you. But what are the talks with the family, the girlfriend about what you're doing and, you know, taking care of yourself?
1: Obviously, what parents... Do, they do get very, very worried, but my mom, dad, and girlfriend all support me. Me and my girlfriend actually watch AEW every uh, Wednesday and Friday, and we're actually this weekend going up to a movie theater watching Full Gear, their pay-per-view. So that's going to be very awesome because they're playing it in theaters. They support me 100%. My dad goes to every single one of my shows. My mom goes when uh, she can and same with my girlfriend Aubrey, but they know that this is my dream. And they're not taking away anything. They're not telling me don't do it. They're not telling me not to do it. They're just telling me to be careful, which is what every parent does to their child. They always tell me, "You got to be safe. You got to be careful." But they support me and they help. They help me a lot through everything. So definitely. And how old are you now? I'm twenty. Just twenty.
0: You have so many years left that you can do whatever you want to in this business, really. Oh yeah,
1: no. I'm. I'm glad I started very young because now I got. A long time left, a lot in there.
0: No doubt. But even with that, twenty years old, you know they've been watching you, supporting you, doing this. Like you have a ring, right? You still
1: got the ring that they purchased oh, for yeah. you. yeah, I got that ring. Like I said, every Thursday I'm in that ring training. Actually, after this, I'm going in to get I'm going to go to the ring, get a good workout, get a good nice cardio uh, blow up workout. I, whenever I get the chance, I go. I go there and I train.
0: I mean, you got a ring. At your parents' crib. I'm like, hey, I can wrestle anytime I want to. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Man. It's, it's a childhood dream. <laughs> I'll tell you what. And every time I talk to you, I say that just to, like, remind you, like, what you're doing is pretty awesome and pretty special. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Going back to the Oregon show, you said you're Mr. Zoa, and it's a championship. So are you kind of like their world heavyweight champion? Not exactly. So what it is, is
1: there's the Zawa Championship, then there is the Fireweight Championship, and then uh, there's the Mr. Zawa Championship. Now, obviously, the Zawa Championship, is the, that's the world heavyweight. The Fireweight Championship and the uh, Mr. Zawa Championship are their mid-card titles, and then obviously you have the tag team titles, and then you have the women's title. But what the Mr. Zawa title is, it's basically kind of like wwe's money in the bank so whenever i want i can cash in that mr zawa title and i will get a world championship opportunity
0: okay okay i see you then so you're like next up yes basically basically whenever, whenever i feel like it are you gonna tell us when you're gonna do it I don't know. That that might blow my cover. <laughs> you know, you know. I got, I got to, I got to keep that little secret. I mean, when the time happens, uh, you all know. But I mean, we're just trying to get the exclusive on Edge of Your Sea podcast. You can't hit on me for trying.
1: I, I can't hit on you. Trust me, I'd do the same thing. So.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, when that happens, I hope you walk away with that championship. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. For sure. Every guest on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we always have play a game. We're going to play Hot Potato, and let's do wrestling version, wrestling style, because you know, really don't talk a lot of wrestling on here, but when I have a wrestler, I mean we have to. Oh, for
1: sure. I mean, there's there's
0: no other better thing you can pick. No, not at all. So in Hot Potato, I'll give you two people, places, whatever, we're going to keep this strictly wrestling, because I love it. You just pick which one you like better, Okay. All right, sounds good. This might get super hot because obviously it's a hot potato, and we're both huge fans of wrestling. At least, me, the old school wrestling, I'll still check out that here and there. So, hopefully, you got your wrestling gloves on or something. Oh, I'm ready. Perfect. I'm ready to take on anything. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Spoken like a true
1: wrestler AEW or WWE? Uh, AEW for sure. Uh, WWE now has moved away a little bit. They're, they're now not really calling themselves professional wrestling. They're calling themselves sports entertainment. I'm the vibe of professional wrestling. I don't agree with the little sports entertainment thing. I'm
0: picking AEW all the way. Let's get into some wrestlers here. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels. Oh, Shawn Michaels, 110%. You can't go wrong with the heart rate, kid. Seth Rollins, I'm going to call him by his WWE name because, again,
1: I haven't watched AEW.
0: Dean Ambrose.
1: That's a very, very hard one. But if I'm going to have to go with one, I'm going to have to go with Seth Rollins. John Moxley, uh, Dean Ambrose, is very, very good and very, very talented. But the architect Seth Rollins is just on next, next level. CM Punk, Chris Jericho. I'm going to have to go with Chris Jericho. And people might hate that, but believe it or not, I'm not that big of a punk fan. I love punk, don't get me wrong, but I first, does AEW return? I don't think has been too hot it's it was it was good at first but i think they overdid it a little bit they've overused him a lot more and it's just getting a little repetitive but i would have to go with the goat chris jericho i love
0: chris jericho i don't think he should be outside of anybody's top five but usually he's never in their top 10 or 15 and i don't understand why he is so good at everything he does oh
1: he is literally wrestling itself like Obviously, if you say it to someone that's not a wrestling fan, you're not going to know him. But if you are a wrestling fan, you know Chris Jericho. And Chris Jericho's done a lot for the business, inside and out.
0: No doubt. No doubt.
1: The Rock, Triple H. Ooh, that's a hard one, but I'm going to have to go with Triple
0: H. Triple H is pretty, uh, he's a pretty sick guy. Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Gold Dust.
1: I'm gonna have to go with Cody Rhodes. They're both really really good in Dustin. His uh smarts in wrestling is insane. But I've I've been a Cody fan. Not many people are, but I'm a big Cody fan, so I'm gonna have to go with Cody Rhodes. Undertaker or Kane? Oh, can't go wrong with the dead man Undertaker.
0: I kinda of feel for Kane in this spot because I put him against like a goat. And I think Kane is a go-to as well. Like, he kind of gets slept on all the time, but he was in the business for a very, very long time with one character doing amazing stuff. Oh, no. Without a
1: doubt, Kane is amazing, and he's one of the best. If you put most people against The Undertaker, The Undertaker's just done so much for the business, and he's one of the icons. I mean, you 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 cannot not pick The Undertaker.
0: Let's try this one. Kane... Or Big Show?
1: I'd go with Kane. I think Kane has shown more character than Big Show. Big Show's done a lot, but I would go with Kane over Big Show. We're going to test your Kane ladder
0: here. Kane or Kevin Nash, Diesel? Oh, I got to go Diesel. No one can go wrong with Big Sexy. You kidding me? Kevin Nash, baby. Come on. He's in my top five as well. I love Kevin Nash.
1: Kevin Nash is really, really good. Uh, I always love this jackknife powerbomb. That thing looks so wicked. And just I don't, I don't know if I ever want to take that off. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that that's a devastating move. Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair. Ah, uh, without a doubt, the limousine rod and jet flying, kiss stealing wheeling dealing, son of a gun, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair.
0: <laughs> that was awesome. I am. I was trying not
1: to laugh, but oh my gosh, that was great! You're definitely a wrestler. I love this. (laughs) That's my dad's favorite wrestler. Uh, Ever since growing up, I think my dad loved Nature Boy, and I've actually I met the Nature Boy in person, so it's it's pretty awesome.
0: There's a cool little segue in the middle of this game. Is there other famous wrestlers that you've met during your you
1: know travels in the ring? I out of wrestling, I've done I've done a bunch of meet and greets as kid and everything, but in wrestling. I have been on a show with Hall of Famer Rikishi in the WWE. That was very awesome, picking his mind. And then I've actually, you may have heard of him, you may not. I have trained a couple times with former WWE, ROH, Impact, and New Japan wrestler Mike Bennett. I picked his mind too. He's very, 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 very smart in the business. And he's a very, big motivational uh, speaker and wrestler. So that was pretty awesome getting to train with him. Let's go announcers. Tony Schiavone, Michael Cole. I'm going to go with Michael Cole. Michael Cole is just, and I, I, everyone knows Michael Cole, you know, announcers, commentators, I
0: should say. I feel like this is already telling me the answer to the next one, but I gonna do it anyway. Michael Cole was a predecessor of Jim Ross. So we got to go J.R., Tony Schiavone, the Attitude
1: Era. Oh, we gotta go Jim Ross. The slobber knocker Jim Ross. That just the voice is just iconic. It's by oh God, uh, he's gotta be dead. That is just one of the most known sayings in
0: wrestling. Or every single time there's a Stone Cold clip, Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Bobby the Brain Heenan and Jerry the King Lawler. Oh, Jerry the King Lawler. Wow, you said that quick. I'm actually a Bobby the Brain Enon guy. Really? I loved the Brain. He was amazing. Not that yeah. the King isn't, but I'm just saying.
1: I can see how you can argue that, but um, I, I love the King.
0: Okay, okay. Brett, the Hitman heart, Macho Man, Randy Savage.
1: Oh, yeah, the Macho Man, I did it. The Macho Man, baby.
0: That was awesome. <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, good stuff, good stuff. I didn't like jot any of these down, but I'm just like going through all kinds of wrestlers in my head. And I'm trying to keep it like now and old and attitude-era, like in the middle. China.
1: Trying to split it up and keep it all even, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I've done a good job. Pretty sp- you have. At this point. You have done a good job. China, Trish Stratus. I definitely
1: would pick Trish Stratus 110%. Trish Stratus, Lita. Oh, now that, that, that one's tricky. That one's tricky, but I think I still got to go with Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus or Charlotte? Charlotte's really good, but this might be another thing. I don't like Charlotte at all. So I'm definitely going to have to go with Trish Stratus again. Okay. Trish Stratus, your favorite woman wrestler of all time? Uh, no. My favorite woman's wrestler of all time, all time is probably got to be... Mickey James or Kelly Kelly? I don't know which one. I can't pick between there. Wow. Wow.
0: Those are not two names that I think would pop up in the stratosphere of
1: favorite of all time. Yeah, I know. It's, I think I'd have to go more with Mickey James than Kelly Kelly. I mean, Kelly Kelly just won when I was growing up, and that was like one of my childhood crushes. <laughs> so that's why I picked Kelly Kelly. But um, I do like Mickey James's work. Not as much now as it was before, but. I mean, in all honesty,
0: Kelly Kelly was like the Barbie doll of wrestling.
1: Oh, yeah. For
0: sure. 110%. Nikki Bella, Brie Bella? are going
1: I go with Nikki Bella. Always pick Nikki over Brie. Daniel Bryan or Edge? Now, that one, that's a hard one. But I got to go with the rated R superstar, Edge.
0: I'm guessing you've seen every WrestleMania.
1: I may have not watched it
0: fully, but I've seen a lot. In my mind, from the WrestleManias that I've seen, and I'm going to kind of cut out the newer ones because I can't remember the name. um, What is the WrestleMania where Seth Rollins cashes in his Money in the Bank against Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns?
1: I believe that is WrestleMania 31. Okay. And they call it the heist of the century. Yeah, definitely. it's It's a pretty big heist.
0: After 31, has there been any other WrestleManias that you could even put in that stratosphere? I don't um, I don't think so, but I haven't... I think I've watched them all, actually. I don't think I could.
1: I don't think so. My favorite WrestleMania of all time is 28. Okay. That is my personal favorite. My favorite match of all time, and this might be weird to some people, but it's definitely uh, the once-in-a-lifetime Rock versus Cena. But they also, on that show, have an end-of-an-era triple h versus undertaker in a hell in a cell triple h trying to beat the streak with special guest referee Shawn michaels that match was insane and one of the greatest of all time yeah i remember watching that like a is this ever
0: gonna end b is undertaker gonna die inside of this hell in a cell three is Shawn michaels Really doing Shawn Michaels things still, even as old as he is at this point. And then it was like, this is probably the greatest, kind of like undercard match. I mean, everybody always talks about WrestleMania 3 with, with Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat being like a big undercard match that stole everything. But this, to me, was the best match in like a span of like 15 WrestleManias. So it didn't just steal that WrestleMania, it stole a lot of other ones as well.
1: Oh, for sure. And it has one of the biggest false finishes of all time, where um, Undertaker's getting ready to hit Triple H, I believe, at the Tombstone. Michaels pulls down Triple H. Uh, Sean hits the sweet chin music on Undertaker, and then uh, Triple H hits the pedigree, and everyone thinks it's over. That's it. Because um, then their tag team finish. And then Undertaker kicks out, and everyone's like, oh my gosh. And the reaction Sean Michaels gives was just top-tier storytelling it's insane how much story is told from start to
0: finish that match. Yeah, it was fantastic and a true showcase of three absolute legends of wrestling. Oh, for sure. But in 31, you got Seth Rollins cashing in his money in the bank against Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. And I remember watching that at my house with former News Tribune sports writer Jared Bell. And we're watching it together and both of us just look like This is really happening.
1: (laughs) Like, this is crazy. Oh, no, it was awesome. That match, and Roman going on, and then out of nowhere you hear Seth's music and him running. I will never not picture, whenever we think of this moment, him running down that ramp as fast as he can with a smirk on his face and getting ready for that ramp going, I need to cash in, cash in, cash in. And then Lillian Garcia saying that he cashed in. That was awesome.
0: No doubt. No doubt.
1: Two of my favorites as a kid:
0: WrestleMania six, we're talking Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, the Ultimate Collision. I forget what they called it. It was either Ultimate Showdown or Ultimate Collision, something like that. It's called Ultimate Collision. Or WrestleMania fourteen, where Steve Austin beats Shawn Michaels and propels the Stone Cold Austin era into crazy stratosphere that really hasn't been matched ever since.
1: Uh, between both of those, I got to go with uh, 14, Stone Cold and Michaels. I'm not a big, believe it or not, Warrior or Hogan guy, but I do, like I said, love Michaels. So whenever, when Mr. WrestleMania is in the picture, I'm always going to pick Mr. WrestleMania. I do know you're a big Shawn Michaels guy. Indeed, I am. That man, that man right there has done a lot for us, even though he's had his way to it, and sometimes not the brightest. Shawn Michaels is one of the all-time greats in wrestling without it doubt. Just because, you know, throwing
0: Attitude Era a couple of times, and that's where I grew up, so that is where my heart is kind of at. I was in the middle of, like, the Golden Era and then the Attitude Era. So I was there with Hogan and Warrior and Macho Man, and I saw them in person. I saw uh, the National disasters and the bushwhackers and all those cool people and then i saw that's awesome it was amazing as a little kid and then as i got older i'm like 14 15 saw undertaker and i saw brian pillman and owen hart when they were at the Hart foundation i saw british bulldog i saw all them in person so i kind of like that's where my heart lies even though the new stuff i know there's people like seth rollins and charlotte flair and stuff like that so that's why i kind of keep going back to that but huge part of attitude era wwf at that point or
1: WCW? I'm um, never really a big, I would say, WWF guy. Even though obviously I wasn't born there that time and I wasn't really watching. When I go back and watch it, I'm just WCW in my opinion, and that even might some people be like, What are you talking about? And the attitude era wasn't really my thing. Going back and watching it, like, I'm just I don't know, I'm not a really big fan. I, so I'm picking WCW over that just because all the big hype and it's, oh my gosh, this is the time WWE is going to get beat. And then every, the tides turn and then WCW goes straight down. But during that time, I picked WCW. 1996 and
0: 1997 for WCW were absolutely amazing. The problem oh, yeah. was... Is they kept with the same game plan, didn't change anything, and it got stale real fast. Like, everybody was getting jumped by the NWO. So you're getting, like, four or five just beatings from the NWO, and that was kind of it. And every single Nitro ended that way. Sting was getting beat up by the whole NWO. Ric Flair, the whole NWO. Diamond Dallas Page, the whole NWO. And that was, like, the show every single week for, like, a year and a half after, like, 97. I can see how
1: it gets stale. I've seen the same thing, same thing. But between those two, in my opinion, I gotta go with WCW.
0: And I do understand why you would say that. I mean, I'm gonna go WWE in this one. But at the same time, it was kind of getting gimmicky with Stone Cold Steve Austin doing the same stuff, whether he's driving a milk truck or a beer truck or something, yeah. attacking Vince McMahon. So it was kind of the same after a
1: while. Yeah, but it was always funny. Whenever you're messing with the boss, it's always funny
0: exactly i agree well this seems like a good spot to end we just talked all kinds of wrestling always fantastic speaking with you 12 gauge gauge noonan thank you for joining edge of your seat podcast once again and you know these airwaves these podcast waves are always welcome for us to chat well thank
1: you so much for having me again brandon i appreciate it i love being on your podcast the first time was awesome and now the second time's awesome and hopefully in the future I'll be able to be on again cuz this was a blast.